takeaways on a friday it's april 29th just baseball show all three of us back jack mcmullen peter apple are of late and we're gonna walk through what we think for the first couple of weeks of the season and um i guess come with hot takes come with takes come with just thoughts and see if we can validate them amongst the group this this does feel like a group think right I would say this is a group think. I would say this is a group think. I think that's a good, good way to describe it. What do you think, Arm? Yeah. Arm, do you think it's a group think or do you think it's a group like you're irrelevant? <laughs> I think it's like a group discussion, I guess, because we might not all agree on everything. It's true. Yeah. But we so, didn't run We did run some takeaways by it and it was more, there was like, oh, I have this takeaway and then two open mouths from the other two. And it's like, oh, I mean, let's talk okay. about it. Yeah. No scoffs though. No scoffs. No, no scoffs. There, there were some pauses. Um, you know, there were some pensive pauses, uh, but we shall see. This was a loaded day slate of baseball on this Love. Thursday. This was yeah. absolutely loaded. And now we get into Friday. Um, I know, Peter, your thing is not gambling advice, and I tend to not offer gambling advice, but Hunter Green pitching in Colorado just seems like something should happen, and it should be a very high number for the Colorado Rockies. The ball's going to be in the air this entire time. And currently during this episode, I am sweating, talking about not gambling advice, I'm currently sweating Guardians money line as an underdog plus 135 against these Angels. Shohei isn't in, in the lineup. Vegas continues to undervalue Cal Quantrill because they don't see what I see. The yeah. fact that he's got, if you look at the baseball savant page, 100 percentile and dog in him. That was a great thing by starting nine. They put a dog in him on baseball. So that was great. Yeah, I love that one now. I always think about that now. Cal Quantrill dogging him. I like dog it. Him. Well, it, was like, uh, it was like when Clay Snowden put together a meme that was like one side of the bus looking out at like, you know, the gray mountainous stuff. And then the other side looking out at like sunshine and meadows. And it was advanced stats on yeah. like the gray mountainous side. And then that boy nice on the, on the other one. <laughs> so like, I feel like Cal Quantrill is that boy nice. That boy nice. Because advanced analytics people, you wouldn't like Cal Quantrill. Peripherals don't line up, but he's got the dog in him. He's got and the dog he's in Canadian. Him. And he's Canadian. Is he? He's Canadian. Yeah, he's Canadian. I know he went to Stanford. Shove there. He was a Stanford man. Canadian Stanford man right? Let's talk takeaways. Let's talk takeaways. Um, again, we're going to work. Uh, so we went clockwise last time. I got a text from my Can't. buddy who was with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps that is now with the production company, Tim Badgeman. Okay. He said, you know, they run the bases counterclockwise, right? And I was like, wow, we were shitting on counterclockwise movement. And then the game <laughs> that we cover and make our, like put a roof over our heads with is predicated on counterclockwise movement. Wow. Does yeah, anybody wow. care? No, no, I have zero. Reaction. Well, you know, when they play below the equator, they go the other way, right? They go third base first. <laughs> Shut up. All right. <laughs> Give me a takeaway or I'm going first. We're going counterclockwise. <laughs> so it's going to go Peter Aram me. Perfect. My first takeaway is that the Yankees pitching is probably top five, but not just because of how they performed this year. They've made tangible adjustments, and it's not just one guy made this adjustment, one guy made this adjustment. As a team, there's a new pitch that's been involved. Garrett Cole is now throwing a cutter, and it is one of his best pitches. He didn't throw one last year. Now he's throwing it around 13%. Talk about Nestor Cortez. Used it around 23% this last year, using it around 39% this year, and it's his best pitch. Luis Severino has looked great to start the year, he has a new cutter using it around 10 to 15% of the time. It's one of his best pitches. Jamison Tyon just hit 99 miles an hour on the gun. Jordan Montgomery, always solid. And they have so many arms. A guy like Michael King has showed up and proved that he can be a great swingman. Think of him as the Yankees version of Christian Javier with the Houston Astros, but I think he can be just as good. The bullpen has been phenomenal. 
the just every aspect of Yankees pitching this year has been incredible on days they don't hit they can still win games they're 12 and 6 at the top of the AL East and when they do hit like they did against the Orioles yesterday 10 to 2 win they blow out teams they have one of the best run differentials and they've allowed some of the fewest earned runs in the entire league the Yankees pitching is for real and it's with the help of this new cutter so when you go to the baseball reference team page, you know how they list like the top 12 players via war um, mm-hmm. and, and they just give you the headshots. They don't give you the yeah. names. Number two, I was like, who the hell is that? Like I was looking at the pictures because you got Rizzo one, Nestor three, Judge four, IKF five, DJ six. And the only guy that I couldn't name on this 12 was two. I was like, who the hell is that? And click on it. It's Michael King. You should see this man pitch. It's incredible. He's throwing so, hard. The breaking ball is great. Michael King is, is really an excellent pitcher. You know, it's really funny. So Michael King, if I'm not mistaken, was traded for Garrett Cooper. And it's one of those trades that like nobody blinked at. No one cared. It was one of those that like you almost forget and just scroll past on MLB trade rumors. And you know, Garrett Cooper's played a big part in the Marlins offense. And Michael King's playing a big part in the, in the Yankees uh, pitching staff. It's, it's pretty wild how sometimes these under-the-radar trades turn into – you know, beneficial moves for both teams. But yeah, King has really developed nicely because he has, he'd get up there and then he wouldn't stick. Uh, but then he comes out this year. You mentioned the cutter. He just looks like a different pitcher. And remember, he's still just 26. So it seems like he's really just put it together this year. I mean, I don't know. Do you think a lot of it is with the cutter or do you think a lot of it, like, do you think how much- Are you talking about with Michael is, King or are you talking about just Yankees pitching? I'm talking about Yankee philosophy. How much okay. of how much of that do you think is organizational philosophy and how much of it is just like a lot of guys having a great start to the year? I think it's organizational philosophy. I think this is a new pitch that they've all been developing and it's clearly working. And it's not just working for one guy here or there. And it's not like only one guy's adopted it. A lot of these Yankee pitchers have now adopted it and it's all one of their best pitches. Like Garrett Cole, Nestor, and Luis Severino, not only is it one of their best pitches, nobody's hitting over 200 against it. So I wonder, the, yeah. I was just say, I wonder like if, if a reason behind that, especially from I'm looking at someone like Garrett Cole, we talk about like sticky substances and things like that. Slider, you really need to rip it. Like you really need to spin the baseball. A cutter isn't quite as much, right? It's almost like a, a shorter version of that slider. Doesn't have to have as much of that of that snap, as much of that horizontal break. And also uh, you can locate it a bit better. So it, it's interesting because we're seeing it make a wave across the game and some of the best pitchers in the game featured a cutter. I'm sure Corbin Burns uh, is a guy that a lot of pitchers and a lot of pitching coaches are looking at and saying, how is he so dominant? You watch the tape, you see what he does, and you want you, you come away saying, man, why don't I try that cutter? Uh, and you got someone as talented as Cole, he can kind of figure out how to utilize that at least in some sort of way, similar to Burns. And we're seeing it. And then we had Nestor talk about it with us, right, on, on the Just Baseball show about how he added that cutter. And, you know, it helps kind of mask the last the, the lack of velo at times. But now his velo ticked up and he's got the cutter. It, it's a great pitch. And what's interesting is it plays up well in the zone uh, and it plays well down in the zone, too. It's a pitch that kind of works all over. Even if you miss your spot, it can still miss barrels because it's hard. Yeah. Miles Straw, double alert. Oh, on the Guardians game, by the way. That's awesome. I'm, I'm going to keep giving uh, random alerts throughout this. I, I was just trying to rack my mind for like when the Yankees have done this, because we know Tampa does this all the time, right? Like they, they develop these crazy sliders and all their bullpen guys, yada, yada, yada. Cleveland has this type of thing as well going on. There is a distinct organizational philosophy there. And then the Dodgers have, you know, like their usage thing um, as they ramp up in the minor leagues. I was trying to rack my mind for the Yankees doing that. And nothing really jumped out, but an individual affecting another individual also jumped out to me. Do you remember the way that Nathan Yavaldi tinkered with his pitch usage when Masahiro Tanaka first came over? So Tanaka was great, and Tanaka taught Yavaldi the splitter, and then Yavaldi started to work with like his arsenal, and he started to make it look like just a harder version of Tanaka's, and then that turned into a great trade chip, and at the deadline, he, he goes to Boston and he's great. And Yavaldi's still great. I think he's taken a lot of that stuff that he learned from Tanaka. So I guess the Yankees do have a pretty recent history of, you know, guys seeing what their rotation mates are doing and saying, damn, that's working really well. Let me get in on that. I mean, think about it. Where did the, where did the cutter become so popular? Mariano Rivera, Yankee. I mean, the cutter has been a Yankee pitch now for, 
for as long as, as Mariano Rivera has been alive. You hear I, that? You hear that, Arm? Yankee fans now taking ownership of the pitch, the cutter. <laughs> it's invented by the Yankees. Hey, invented. I will I will say, uh, so we, we did a cool episode of Outside the Box a week and a half, two weeks ago with Jeff Conine. And um, I asked him, like, hey, put together the best pitch arsenal. Uh, you can drawing from a pitch from each pitcher you faced in your entire career. And uh, when he was talking about the way Mariano threw the cutter, he did, he did say, you know, it was, it was a revolutionary way of throwing the cutter. Whereas, you know, they used to always look at the pitch as usually in the mid eighties, especially back then, maybe even slower than that. Um, and, and I think I've told the story before, but you know, when he first faced Mariano, everyone told him, Oh yeah, it's just a, it's a mid nineties fastball. And he gets up there and he's, he sees the first pitch, like he ends not. up Kang and he walks back to the dugout and he was like, fuck you guys. That was a mid nineties slider. You know, and like that, that, that was the first guy that really threw it hard. So, you know, we always see these adaptations of pitches. And uh, I, I would say that Mariano Rivera was the first guy to throw a cutter like hard. Yeah. Well, and now you got guys like differing speeds with him, right? Like Nestor is obviously in the mid nineties with his fastball, but his cutter looks different than Garrett Cole. And then when Kevin cops comes up with San Diego, Ooh. his stuff is going to look different too. Cause that's a mid eighties cutter. And he's not even a cutter. That's like a slider change up curveball cutter. It, it, it's just <laughs> a magic. It's a, he's got a five pitch mix throwing one ball. So but the that, way, the way that I described it and like, I, I don't think it's PC for like a TV or radio broadcast, but I called it a slutter that it's like, it's a slider and a cutter, right? Like Duran splinker that you got the splitter sinker. It, the thing about Cops's cutter is, I guess it is a cutter. He classifies it as a cutter. He throws it like it comes out of his hand like a cutter does, but it's got this vertical drop too that kind of mimics this like sharp breaking ball. You know, it's funny you talk about like the PC thing. I, I use a uh, a TrackMan pitch chart uh, when I'm like looking at prospects like horizontal vertical movement and like just referencing a chart to see where it lines up in terms of what you would call it exactly. And one of the the pitch marks is slaughter. If you're around, uh, I think it's five inches of horizontal break and five inches of, of vertical break, you're, you're throwing a slutter. But the, yeah, obviously, they'll never put that on TV. Uh, Why not? Some, some parents somewhere will get pissed. Yeah. No, that's, that's where we're at. All right, Aram, what's your first takeaway? I'm going to go with the Twins first. So I think the Twins are making the playoffs. Um, I'm, and there's a few different angles to go at this. I'll start with just the fact that, super obvious, the division stinks. The White Sox are way worse and more vulnerable than we thought. I think they're going to, they're going to get it together, but you know, Eloy's out for a while again. I'm sure they're going to do that funeral thing soon. Uh, the, the whole team's banged up. The pitching's a mess. Tony LaRusse, as you talked about, no bueno. Uh, the rest of the division, the Royals look terrible. Uh, the guardians had their first week. I mean, they're going to be fine, but they're not going to be great. And the tigers I've always maintained. I just don't think they're there yet. You look at the twins. The question was the pitching, right? The pitching looks pretty darn solid. I don't think it's going to be a strength, but it just has to be okay. Dylan Bundy has been phenomenal through three starts so far. Chris Paddock, by the way, looks like he is regaining some of that old form. The fastball changeup's been good. The, the curveball is masked just enough. And also the Twins are managing him well. Third time around the lineup, see ya. He only needs to go five innings. The bullpen's been fine. Bailey Ober is doing Bailey Ober things, 3-6 FIP. And oh. How about and he's tall and Joe <laughs> Ryan looks absolutely incredible. And Joe Ryan, I am sold on that performance thus far. So, I mean, this pitching staff is good enough. The bullpen is good and the offense isn't even clicking on all cylinders. I mean, Byron Buxton missed a large portion of the year already. Uh, you look at Max Kepler. He's just heating up. Peter's guy right there has been balling out as of late. Yeah. Uh, Gio Urschel is just starting to heat up again. And then also like, They've got a million prospects they can trade from to go get more pitching if they really need it. I love this team. And Carlos Correa is, is not going to hit a buck 50. Like, no matter how you feel about Carlos Correa, he's only going to be better moving forward. I'm all in on this team. I, I think they can easily make the playoffs and they're going to make moves. They, they can smell the blood in the water in the division. And they've got a loaded farm system to go make some moves and guys they can call up to help them now, too, like Jose Miranda, who we just talked about on the call. Yeah. I'm curious because I, I'm kind of. I'm kind of liking your take right now, but do you think, do you think that the twins will win the division or are you on the side of the twins will get into the playoffs through the wild card? Because in my opinion, 
they have to win the division if they want to get in this wild card. The Rays are going to be up there. The Blue Jays are going to be up there. The Yankees are going to be up there. I still think the Red Sox are going to fight. And I'm about to talk about my takeaway with how great the AL West is. And I won't even get into that right now, but there's a lot of teams over there. I just feel like they have to win the division. And I don't know if they can. So I'll answer it this way. I think they win 90 to 92 games. Wow. If the White Sox perform the way they can perform, then they don't win the division. You know what I'm saying? Like th- for what they can control, I think they win 90 games. So wow. that's what I'm in on. If they're going to be this year's like Mariners, but with more, with more established talent, I think. Um, and I just think because the reason why I brought up the White Sox is my concern was the White Sox would just bludgeon them in all of the division games, right? Like the, the, the rotation, every time they faced them would carve them up. And now you look at it and they could really take advantage of a lot of early season divisional victories against the White Sox. I, I think they can sneak in with 90 wins. I don't know if that's division or if that's wild card. That's more dependent on the White Sox. Yeah. Jack, what do you think? Uh, well, you right guys should be ask. watching. You guys should be watching on YouTube right now because uh, there, there's a Twitter user named Keelan that always adds, um, speaking on the Eloy, like hanging his jersey in the dugout um, thing on opening day. Whenever somebody goes on the IL, he adds them to like this heavenly picture um, that looks like they're at they're in heaven and like the newest guy on the IL is entering the gates of heaven. So I, I'm holding it up right now. Um, it's Eloy <laughs> meaning everybody else on the IL and the gates of heaven. So that's that's Keelan on Twitter. Uh, it oh. is a fantastic image. Um, so I I always look for the updated image from that. But uh, yeah, like I, I also that- didn't mention Sonny Gray by the way. Sorry, he's on the IL. He'll be back. He'll be Sorry, back. Continue. That's the thing. So Lance Lynn looks like late May. Um, Eloy looks like six to eight weeks. Um, Moncada is starting a rehab stint in Charlotte tonight. I don't know. I just don't think the reinforcements are going to be there. And I'm nervous. I think this, I think this division is going to be decided by less than two games. I do. I think that it's going to come down to the very last week of the season. I think that the magic number is going to be super low for the twins and the white Sox. And whoever finishes the year healthier is going to win the division. Wow. And, can we give a shout out just to the twins front office as well? You know, like yeah, they knew great. that their that their their pitching wasn't going to be great. And instead of just trying to like go make that move for one ace and try to just gain all the ground in one move, they did a bunch of little things. And even adding Chris Archer has given them a little bit of, of more of a cushion to throw in there uh, and eat up some, some innings. So yeah, I, I'm in on this one. I'm going to wear this one the rest of the way. Uh, so I'm excited to, to see where they go, but uh Carlos Correa needs to get going, though. That's for sure. And Buxton needs to stay healthy. But 2021, Jack's all in on the Twins. 2022, Arms all in on the Twins. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, there's something about <laughs> Minnesota, man. Um, and, and they're doing all guys. this on the mound after shedding Jose Barrios. Barrios went to the Jays at the deadline. Barrios was their ace. Toronto signed him like an ace. I've got two sell-high candidates for you that are, are ones in the rotations that I am very concerned about one of them is Barrios, who I said was a Cy Young dark horse this year. I thought he was going to tick up and like the newly extended Jose Barrios was going to be great. But I, I just want to tell you why I'm out on Jose Barrios at the moment, because he, opponents are hitting the ball on average 94 miles an hour against him. That's the highest among qualified pitchers in Major League Baseball. So he's giving up more hard contact consistently than anybody in Major League Baseball. The most worrisome part is it's on the hard stuff. There's zero difference in velocity from 2020 to 2021 to 2022, but guys are sitting on the fastball and sinker and they're killing it. His fastball usage is up to a career high and opponents are hitting 423 against his fastball sinker usage is right around normal opponents are hitting 370 against his sinker. So fastball at 420 sinker at 370 and he's throwing both in the strike zone more than he ever has before. So he doesn't command either pitch. He just controls them. He throws them right in hitters' wheelhouses, and they're unloading on it. So Barrios, I mean, this is terrifying. And if guys are hitting the hard stuff the way that they are, granted, I know small sample size, this guy is not going to survive. He's going to have an ERA over eight. The crazy thing for Barrios, too, and like with the Blue Jays is, they don't even need him to be an ace. He just has to be solid. And, and he's not even giving them that right can't now. can't do that uh, right now. No, which is nuts. And also he's throwing the four seamer more than he ever has. 
Uh, so you talk about that, like, right. Like it's not even working and he's going to it more. Why? Like, what, why do you think that is? I, maybe he lacks confidence in his ability to command his breaking stuff, but like, I'm telling you the four seam and the sinker, he's throwing them over the heart of the plate and they're getting shellacked. Yeah. I, I've always just been a little worrisome of Jose Barrios. I guess he was an eye test thing for me. Like I just never, I, I said at the beginning of the year, I was like, I think Manoa and I think Gosman will just be better than Barrios. I like Barrios, but I think he's a two or a three and probably closer to a high end three for the Blue Jays. But I do think that he's going to get better. I don't think that this is, you know, this bad start a- to the season is what we're going to see. I still think he's a really good pitcher. I just don't think he's this ace. Like you said at the beginning, like they paid him like. Yeah, well, no, I mean, they paid him like it. Yeah. What's it, What's interesting too is like, the, the thing with Barrios, he was a top prospect. He was a guy that came up pretty early. And I feel like he's one of those players where you're saying, oh, he's on the cusp. He's on the cusp. He's on the cusp. And then before you know it, you blink and he's 30. Right. Uh, he's 27 now. We keep waiting for him to, to, to put it all the way together. He took a big leap last year, but it seems like he just doesn't quite take that final leap. And it's just always a little bit of up and down, up and down. And uh, so, Jack, when you say like you're selling high, quote unquote, like, are you saying it's going to get worse ahead? It's getting I'm, worse. I'm saying it it's going to be a, it's going to be a really bad year for Jose Barrios. I'm saying like it, it might be like a, a mid fours ERA for Barrios. Oh, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. A guy like Nola had a four six three ERA last year. I think I think what Barrios does this year is going to be very similar to Aaron Nola. Interesting. Yeah, wow, which is call. not is not the echelon that I thought Barrios was going to fall into, but here we are. You know, a couple starts into the year, I'm slamming the panic button. Another guy that I'm slamming the panic button on right now is uh, Marcus Stroman, who just got paid to front a really bad rotation, and Stroman has been really, really bad. This guy's getting smoked right now. Just looking at, like, some of the numbers, um, Stroman has an opponent OPS of 870. Like, you can't have that. As an overall that's a really good hitter in OPS, that's a really good hitter. That's an like Aaron Judge hitter. almost. <laughs> it's an all-star hitter. Opponents are an all-star <laughs> hitter against Marcus Stroman in the early goings. He's got the highest average exit below against him by three miles an hour. And he's a career 57% ground ball rate guy. That's down to 41%. Guys are hitting line drives at a 33% clip right now. That's bizarre high. I dude. I always knew that like Stroman was never really going to be that lights out, you know, nasty stuff guy. Like he was always a a live belt and below ground ball guy, but when he's not getting ground balls, he is miserable to watch. That's the point. What good is having six pitches if they don't get crushed? (laughs) That's Darvish's problem too. Is cutter. So the cutter, I wanted to talk about this one. 1133 slugging against Marcus Stroman's cutter this year that he's throwing about 16% of the time, 16.2% of the time. 1133 slugging, 533 batting average. And I know it's a small sample size, but he's throwing that pitch 16% of the time. It's, he's throwing it up there with the slider and the split finger, and they all have been pretty bad. The only pitch that's been good for him really is the slider. Uh, so it, it's wild, but he's also somebody that it's, it's very command dependent. And if he gets the command going, you don't think he can he can get right, Jack? No, I don't think so. I think the stuff is ticked down. I, I think this guy is – I think he's screwed, to be totally honest with you. At just age 30, just over the hill? After yeah, I think he's that, over the hill. What about that Instagram video that said – or that he was talking where he Wait, said, it's a now that I have the sinker and slider, nobody in the world can touch me now. I've perfected pitching. Yeah, no, he's also perfected the comeback. He went from zero innings in 2020 to 180 innings in 2021. No, nope. nobody's done that. Ever done that in human history, and that's a testament to the work. Yeah, Wait, no, no one's, one's gotten a- hurt and then pitched the next year. No, what mean? that's no what one? he said. That's what zero he said. Zero to 180. No one's ever done that. Testament to the work. I've never been as sarcastic as possible. I think all of that is bullshit. Like, what is he <laughs> talking about here? What are we doing here, Marcus Stroman? It's the Stroman way, man. Uh, but you know. I, that's it, a big problem for the Cubs because if he's that bad, it, they threw the, the opt-outs in there. This dude's going to throw to a five in. ERA and then opt in. We're looking at like, we're looking like he's going to opt in. <laughs> like I was, you know, <laughs> the worry, with, the worry with Correa is he's going to opt out. Right. 
the worry with Strowman might be at the at the deadline that Strowman's going to opt in. It's like ah shit, we're screwed. <laughs> Jack, can you quantify what you think like his ERA will be too? Because I think when we talk, it could be like, are you just like, all right, now he's Patrick Corbin, or are you more of the sense of it's like, well, he's going to have a four two ERA instead of what we thought maybe at a three seven. No, so he was what last year? He was right around three zero. He was three one three zero. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's I think he's in Barrios territory this year. I think he's four or five. Interesting. Like bad, bad year for Barrios, bad, bad year for Stroman. I'm selling high on both these guys. And I mean, it's worth noting, like last year, I mean, but Stroman's always a guy that outperforms the expected stats, but he vastly outperformed the expected stats last year, like more than he ever had before. Uh, And it was a great year for him regardless, but. You know, he did, he was due for a little bit of a regression. This is a, a lot of bit of a regression, but um, I still think it's a pretty hot take because I mean, he had a great year last year. Nobody's come back the way he has. No one works harder than him and yeah. the height doesn't match heart. So yeah. it's, it's pretty wild. I'm, and I'm still blocked I, by him. It doesn't measure heart, not match. Bro, measure. measure height doesn't me- I'm blocked. So I don't get the reminders anymore. Yeah. Height doesn't measure heart. Height doesn't measure program. heart. Before I get to my takeaway update on the Guardians game, I turned it off. Cal Quantrill, um, dribbler back to the mound. He has a double play ball, get him out of the inning, chucks it over the second base head. Then he gets another dribbler back to him. Error. So Face what you're saying is the dog in him has dropped to 76 percentile. Yeah, dog in him. Dog in him is still 100 percentile. <laughs> the dribblers in him throwing the ball to the bases is at a 1 percentile. That boy mid. <laughs> yeah, that boy, yeah, that boy mid. My... Um, my second takeaway is I'm not selling high. I'm just straight up kind of cutting my losses here. And I have two different players, but instead of pitchers, they're hitters. And my first hitter, and I spoke about him on Not Gambling Advice, but I think I really wanted to talk about him again because of the fact that I just don't think he's very good, but I think he's lauded as this above average outfielder. When in reality, I think Trent Grisham of the San Diego Padres is closer to below average and maybe not even a legitimate starter on a good team. If I told you that Trent Grisham's OPS, like his best OPS outside of the 2020 season, you'd probably think it was 820, 830, maybe 840, but no, it's 740. And he's also been off to a terrible start this year. He's not hitting for any power. He's a good defender, and so he'll always have that, and he has some speed, but he hits the ball on the ground. He doesn't hit any line drives. He's just not that good of a player. And I think he's lauded as this all-star type when in reality, he had an 808 OPS in a 2020 shortened COVID season. And, but in reality, he's more like a 730 OPS guy. Okay. So I'm going to push back using Jack's advanced metrics. Cool. And I'll brand this. We can make t-shirts and that'll be good. Um, This guy not only wears a long sleeve undershirt in San Diego, but he also (laughs) doesn't use batting gloves. So that's why I think he's elite. <laughs> okay. You can't, you can't rebuttal that. I, no. I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a rebuttal. No, does to he that. not look sick when he's playing baseball? Well, because you guys kind of gasped a little when I was like, I don't even know if he's a good starter on a good team. Like, are, are we, is that, is that wrong? What do we think? No, look, I think it's, I, given the context of, of what we're doing here, I, I think it's fair. <laughs> My only thing with Trent Grisham is he's 25. Yeah. Um, but I do think you're right. Like, I do think there's almost this overlook of, hey, he has not been that great. Uh, you know, he had a really good stretch, as you mentioned, in 2020. He showed some signs last year. He's a guy that's going to get on base because he doesn't chase. He's really athletic. He looks good when he plays, which I think really helps. It's like the Xander Bogarts effect at shortstop. He looks good. Uh, you talk about Jack's advanced metrics, like, like honestly helps a little bit. The swing when he connects is awesome. He's yeah. fast. He looks like a gamer. He looks like a freaking ball player. But the results haven't been there. And honestly, like if you're the Padres trying to keep up and he's not performing come July or June, you probably got to start looking at you know, what you're going to do. Uh, and, and what the best way is to go about things. And maybe that even is putting CJ Abrams in center. I was about to outfield. say the answer is Abrams in center. Because I, I Abrams can give you this. this. Like Abrams is going is, is gonna to get on base. He's not going to chase. He's going to be fast as shit. And he's, you know, maybe it might hit for a little bit less power, but there's way more upside there. I, I do think that you got to start watching now and it's worth following. 
But I, I will also, my only pushback is that I think Grisham could still figure it out yeah. down the line, right? He's only 25. But right now, if you're trying to win right now, I think I agree with Peter. So he's a career 103 WRC plus guy. If you look at, you know, every big league at bat, 103 WRC plus with gold glove caliber defense. So he, gold glove caliber. You want to go glove in 2020. You want to go glove. Clint Frazier want to go glove too. Do you think he's one of the better defensive outfielders in baseball? I don't I do think he's a really, really good one. I think he's a good defender. I don't think he's this crazy great defender. I think he's was he? he was 90th percentile and out above average last year. Um, pretty darn good. So it's yeah. like, if he can give you 110 WRC plus, then you can justify keeping him out there every day. That's yeah. the thing. I don't think he can. So I, I don't think his platoon splits are that drastic. Um, I'm, I'm pulling up his platoon splits over his career. He's, he's in two. He's actually a reverse splits, reverse splits guy. Yeah. Like, so he's got a 763 OPS against lefties, a 735 OPS against righties. That's marginal, but yeah, it's, it's, he's a reverse splits guy. Um, so like face righties more often. Yeah, if he was better against right-handed pitching, I'd say this is a great platoon center fielder to have. But he's not really a platoon guy because with a lefty, you would think, okay, yeah, let's put him in the lineup against righties. Um, I I think – I'll push back. I think he is – you know, I don't necessarily even know if this is pushing back. I kind of agree with you, but I think that this guy would be the best fourth outfielder in baseball. Like, I think if you had the chance to plug Trent Grisham – you really feel like you can win a World Series. But see what I'm talking about here? We're talking about him being the fourth, a fourth outfielder. I, he was, he's supposed to be this all-star gold glove guy. Uh, what are we asking him to be? I don't think we're asking him to be an all-star gold glove guy. I think we're asking him to be gold glove caliber. But, you know, are we asking him to be an all-star? I think the thought was Trent Grisham could be an all-star. I, I do. I do think not that long ago we were talking yeah. about Trent Grisham as an all-star. Absolutely. Um, I mean, if we talked about this a year ago, I think we're saying Trent Grisham has a chance to be an all-star. Um, but Milwaukee cut their losses with him when they traded him to San Diego. It, it was pretty much like a we're no, I know. I, experiment. I think that that it, after 2020, you know, when he did what he did in 2020, I think people are like, oh, this is this is a burgeoning all-star. Yeah. I, I, I I felt that we can talk to I, we should get the pulse from uh, our resident Padres guy, Javier Reyes, who, by the way, put out a great top 10 baseball movies list. Yeah, yeah on just baseball.com. Awesome. Uh, but I would love to like ask him what's the what was the Padres pulse? Because I do think there was a time where you're looking, whoa, this guy's athletic, he's got sneaky power, he's a great defender, he's got a good approach, he looks like a gamer. This could be an all-star. Uh, and Cronenworth ended up being uh, the more the more impactful player. Uh, and, and I think Cronenworth will continue to be the more impactful yes. player. So yeah, I think it's a fair take. I like that one. And my second, my second guy who I'm cutting my losses and I, f- I feel like an idiot forever saying that he was good. Like Mike Zunino of the Rays is just not good at baseball. And not only do the numbers match up, the fact that he's hitting 083, doesn't have a home run. I think he's got one hit on the season through like 36 at bats or maybe not one hit. Maybe he's got two. Not totally sure. Don't have the stats pull up in front it's of me. Three, you he asshole. Three hits. Great. Yeah, yeah. my bad. He's got three <laughs> hits all year. He he's not that great of a defender. He's a good framer. Who's not a great blocker who has a decent arm, but overall, I don't think he's this plus plus defensive catcher. I think he's a good defensive catcher. And if he's not barreling baseballs, he can't hit. I thought last year they were going to, or excuse me, after last year that this year he was going to regress a little bit. That's why we put him eight instead of like four or five, because I was like, if he can't hit breaking balls, he's not going to hit because they're going to spin him to death. But you know what they're doing this year, Jack and Arm? They're throwing him more fastballs, and he can't hit shit. And then when I watch him, I test-wise, he's blown up by Velo. He can't touch a breaking ball to save his life. He's like three feet swinging over the top of these change-ups and breaking balls. He should not have been in our top 10 catchers list, and he's one of the worst catchers. I and I also don't think I'm being overreactionary here. I think what I'm watching is not good baseball. And because he doesn't have a long track record either, what? Mike Zanino at 31. You want him? No, I don't. So here's, the, here's the thing with Zanino. Is it's, it's, all, it's all about the home runs, like you mentioned, right? 72 hits last year. 33 of them were homers. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So if he's not leaving the yard, he's – you know, he's not going to give you much value. And I think that's exactly what we saw, right? Like he, he's just right now, 
it's she's cheating. And that's what he's always going to do is try to cheat out there to, to catch one out front and hit that home run. Cause if he does it one out of every 10 times, it, it's worth it for him. But I think teams are really realizing like, Hey, Zanino's going all in to try to hit that home run and he's not going to beat you any other way. So don't let him beat you that way. And I think that the league is kind of adjusted to him. I, I'm with Peter on this one. Negative 26 WRC plus. I saw that, like, yeah. He's going to be better. He's going to be better. Like, he's going to run into a few. I don't know if he gets it, to a zero. If he's WRC not giving plus. you elite, if he's not giving you elite defense, then what are you doing? I, I think when Mejia gets back from his injury, he, he's going to be the guy that kind of takes over behind the dish. And that's my bigger point, too, is that Francisco Mejia should 100,000% be the catcher for the Tampa Bay Rays moving forward. Put Zanino in some weird platoon DH. Or bench coach, honestly. Put him as a bench coach. <laughs> bench coach. I mean, open catcher. So, yeah, I kind of wanted to parlay that. Like, you know, you're selling Zanino. You should buy now in Francisco Mejia because I, I really enjoy Francisco Mejia. I think he is Absolutely. an excellent. I think he's a great catcher for that raised staff. I think he understands the organizational philosophy. And I think the bat is fine. He's a switch hitter too. Um, you know, that's a guy like I would be very curious looking at um, his cards on eBay, like what those are going for right now, because I feel like Mejia could be that guy moving forward because Mejia, he was a top 100 guy when he was a Padres farmhand. And then he goes over to Tampa and people just kind of forget about him because he was, you know, he was the bench catcher for Zanino last year because Zanino had the best year of his career. If Zanino sucks, Mejia is going to get all the opportunities in the world. And I think Mejia has a shit ton of talent. I'm with you. So my question when he was a prospect, when I was looking at me, he was, was the glove and he has developed so nicely behind the dish since he's got a the race. hose dude hose. And now he's de- developed defensively. He's going to be that everyday catcher for them. And that's the good news ahead for the Rays is you're going to get much more production uh, on both sides. I think from the catching position, I've got another Padre thought, but before we get to those uh, it is Friday. So we get to talk about our friends at loop. Nice Jersey are of Layton. Oh, uh, you like it. It's hanging right back there. Uh, I was scared I was going to put a hole in the wall. Honestly, these, these walls are not very sturdy, uh, but I got the loop jersey back there. We're going to be giving away some, some loop merch soon, uh, which I'm excited about. But if you noticed over the last couple episodes, I have been just waiting and waiting and waiting for the Bowman baseball uh, checklist to be announced. And it was announced. It was finally announced. So Bowman baseball goes live in about six days, which means it'll be available for every single seller on loop because what loop does is they make sure that you've got product if you're a seller and I'm really excited about this product. I've been talking about it in the last few episodes and they finally went live with the checklist uh, one week out from release. It's got so many guys from our top 100 prospect list, which I'm super amped about some guys that Jack saw some Yankees that I know Peter likes, and then some other prospects that I know Peter and I have talked about in the past. So a super, super loaded checklist that I'm already putting money aside so that I can go on the loop app and just pretty much rip as many packs as possible. And I'm telling you, by the time we record the next episode in the next loop segment, when we're talking about the biggest hits of the week, one of them is going to be mine. And it's, and just it's going to make up a good investment. I mean, yeah. more often than not, you're probably going to win. And even if you don't, it's such a good time to just being on the loop app, breaking cards. I mean, there's just breaks every five minutes. I was telling Jack on the last podcast, you go on the loop app, it's just bang, 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 bang. It's every single second. I love it. Every second. And, and, and the beautiful for a thing psycho is- like me, who's currently sweating a Guardian's money line, they're losing 3-0, by the way. I need some money. Yeah. <laughs> Well, here you go. Here's the thing too, is, is even if you don't pull the big name card, so that one of the biggest autographs in this checklist is Khalil Watson. Uh, and obviously that's a guy that was withheld from the draft box and has as much upside as anybody. Everybody's trying to get Khalil Watson, but then there's also George Valera. Uh, there's also Jackensie Noel, who is a prospect we love and talk about. How about Trey Sweeney, Peter? He wasn't in the first draft set. Now he's in this one. So like, there's a lot of really good players. There's Waldo Cabrera. They always withhold the Yankees because they know everyone wants the freaking Yankees. Uh, and there's so many good players. Ellie De La Cruz makes his first autograph appearance in here. I mean, like the odds are in your favor. Even if you don't hit the, the big name guy, if you pull a base card of some of these dudes, you're in great shape. Curtis Mead. I mean, that's another guy that's on our top 100 list. There's like eight guys from our top 100 list that are in this checklist for their first autograph. I'm really amped up about this. And uh, basically every seller, We'll have something available. Uh, Peter, I'll start with you because I know Jack has a bunch of names he likes. Also, Matt, Matt McClain 
has his first autograph on here, which I am amped about. Highest floor in baseball history. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who, who are you like? I know you like Trey Sweeney. Is that a card like you'll want to go after a little bit? Yes, but I don't think he'll he'll end up being a Yankee. I really, really? I think they're going to use him as a trade piece. Think about it. Where would they play him? That is fast. You have Anthony Volpe. And then if Volpe doesn't work out, you got Oswald Peraza. There's just, and the Yankees, what they've been doing, it's clear that they're loading up on these talented shortstop prospects. They kind of want best player available. That's what Trey Sweeney was. And Trey Sweeney's performing like it. But I think he's going to be the starting shortstop for not the New York Yankees one day. But with that being said, the starting shortstop for a team one day, I think he's a really legit prospect. And I think they're going to trade him for somebody. The only reason why is just because they have this gluttony of, (laughs) and not just of shortstop prospects, their best prospects, both of them are both shortstops and expected to stick it short. You might put Oswald Peraza at second, but he's a gold glove level defender. And I'm getting too far into the week. <laughs> but another shortstop, by the way, dude, another shortstop that has his first auto on here is Waldo Cabrera. New another one. He's good too. He had like 28 pumps last year. Exactly. Uh, a, a few other prospects that I'm really excited about. I don't know if I mentioned George Valera yet, but like he's one that I'm going to be going after big time on this checklist. And then Dustin Harris, first base slash outfield for the Rangers, just missed our top 100 list. Absolutely rakes. Few other guys, it's not their first auto, but still, to, I mean, if you pull their auto, you should be amped. Jordan Lawler has an autograph in here. That's one that, That's even fire. though it's not his first, is extremely, you know, exciting and valuable. And I would be going after that. Colton Kowser as well. Uh, that's another one that not his first, very excited about it. And then Alan Serda has his first auto. And Jack, I wanted to wrap up with that guy because out of the guys you saw last year, there's a few that you saw in Fort Wayne. Uh, who are you most interested in? And trying to scoop up here, you got Eurebio Angelis, who played in high A uh, with you guys over in Fort Wayne. You played against Alan Serda. You missed Ellie De La Cruz, who's someone I'm extremely excited about. Uh, and also Henry Davis has an auto in here. But who from who you saw are you most excited to potentially scoop up? Eddie's Leonard. Did you see him? I saw Eddie's Leonard and I was very impressed by Eddie's. He has Leonard. an auto in here, too. His first. There we go. Um, yeah, Angeles is like the, the 350 batting average, 350 slugging guy. He's everything you want from Nicky Lopez and more. Um, Serda, you know I got a little hot and bothered by him. So Serda is like a freaky athlete, and I think if he puts it all together, Serda is the type of guy that will be an all-star and will be an exciting all-star, and I think people are going to fall in love with quickly. I think Serda is one of those guys. Um, also, I want everybody else to go read that that fan graphs write up about Curtis Mead that said he was like pot bellied and like, you know, super Rude. unathletic or something. So nasty. Yeah. Like I, I want I want everybody to read that and think that he sucks so I can get his cards for way cheaper. Is that fair? <laughs> yeah, because he rakes. Absolutely rakes. So I we will be ripping these, you know. I'll probably be ripping some on a live stream soon. Uh, but if if you want to download the loop app, the link is in our description uh, to let them know that we sent you. Uh, please use that link to download it. And we will be doing some giveaways very soon for credits to loop. So stay tuned for that. So if you download the app, uh, you'll be eligible to, to win some credits to potentially put some money towards or have a free opportunity to chase some of these cards. Uh, so stay tuned there. And also I will be blowing a lot of money and, and ripping open and chasing a lot of these autographs. So if you have any questions, I've enjoyed a lot of the DMs and card questions I've been getting at my personal Twitter. Feel free to ask me any questions you got on collecting and stuff like that, because it is really fun. And I've obviously gotten really back into it big time. Um, but yeah, download the loop app, L O U P E link in description. Boom. There we go. Uh, so we get back to the takeaways. I think arm, you have two more. I have two more, Peter, you have one more. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already taken up too much of your guys' time. So we're going to go a little rapid fire with this arm. You're second. So we talked about it briefly, so I don't have to spend too much time on it in a previous episode, but I put out that piece on Kyle Wright um, and why I am so sold on what Kyle Wright is doing on the mound for the Atlanta Braves. He has totally reinvented himself as a pitcher. He had four different stints at the big league level where it just wasn't happening for him. And this isn't someone that came out of nowhere. This is someone that was a former first round pick, fifth overall. He was a top five long time top 100 prospect. He's a Vandy guy. Like he's he's a great pitcher, but he just couldn't quite get the swings and misses. Wasn't putting it all together. Totally overhauls the curveball. It's four miles per hour harder now, 
which I can't emphasize like power curveballs are a wave now through major league baseball, through the minors. So it's more of a power curveball with less sweep and more vertical drop. So it's more of that downer curve. And then his fastball is ticked up a mile per hour and he's releasing it from a lower release point, which gives you more of that riding action. So now he's tunneling. And, and tunneling is something that every pitcher is trying to do, but you know, only so many guys can really master it. He has made such an effort to get better at that. And essentially layman's terms of tunneling, it's having two pitchers look like they're coming through the same tunnel. So you can't differentiate them until the ball is about 28.3 feet away from you. I think is how baseball prospectus defined it as like, like the tunnel zone. Uh, and he's doing that unbelievably well. And it's allowing all of his pitches to play up. He's locating the four seam up sinker down. He's figured himself out as a pitcher, and I'm sold on what he's doing. I think Kyle Wright, moving forward, is going to be a top 40 pitcher in the game, maybe even better than that, as we continue to go forward. Uh, I think real quick. Braves, if, oh, no, I was just going to – I think the Braves found their four starter. And, and he could be one of the best fours in the game. Really? I think so, so, too. That was my question. Now, moving forward, if Anthopolis had to choose one to extend, is it Ian Anderson or is it Kyle Wright? Um, give me oh. Ian just because of the postseason performance, but but I'll say this: I I would not be surprised whatsoever if Kyle Wright has a much better season than Ian Anderson. But again, Ian Anderson just just shows up for the big games. Yeah, I, that's kind of the beauty, though. Like Morton is is coming off the books soon, and like Morton's career will will be on the very back end when he does come off the books. Although he looks like he could throw until he's forty five, like Verlander and Enoa. I I think that was a true option down to triple a for Huascari Noah. Yeah. Right. I mean, he looked bad. So you've got freed. You're going to pay freed, obviously, if you want to, but you might have the opportunity to get Anderson and Kyle, Wright And lock them up long-term, especially what you did with what you did to Acuna and Albies. I think you have enough money. The Braves are going to be a, not a dynasty. Honestly, but, no, like they kind of uh, yeah. could be. I mean, think about it. They're going to be good now for so long also. They're always going to be at the top of the NL East for the foreseeable future. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they can win. I mean, what, it's 2022. Could they win two or three championships this decade? Yeah. yeah. That's a dynasty. That's a dynasty. That's old Braves. That's 90s Braves. Except actually know. finishing the mission. <laughs> you know, the, like, well, they, they did win a championship. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, they yeah. got there a billion times. A bajillion. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we were just talking about starting pitching depth. My next thing's on starting pitching depth. I think San Diego, uh, Blake Snell's making a rehab start. Uh, he made it last night in Fort Wayne, I guess. So he made a rehab start in, in high A. Um, Clevenger's making rehab starts in AAA. I think when those two come back healthy, San Diego should be going to a six-man rotation. I think with what we've seen from Mackenzie Gore, his last couple of times out, granted, I know it's against the Cincinnati Reds, you can't take Mackenzie Gore out of the starting rotation right now. Gore looks elite. I think if you go with six, if you go with, you know, Gore on the back end, we'll talk um, Musgrove is the one, Darvish two, Manaya three, Snell four, Clevenger five, and, and Gore six. Keep those guys rested. You know that there are injury concerns with all of them. And here we go, man. That might be a wagon for San Diego. My only thing, and I actually, I have, I have two different reasonings on this. My only thing is, do you think it'd mess up pitchers? You know, they're used to going every fifth day and now for the rest of the year, they're going every sixth day. But on the other side of the argument, I think if they don't go to a six man rotation, they're doing themselves a disservice, not only for how many arms that they have, but for keeping everybody healthy. I was going to say, 100%. Blake Snell is a guy who's been injured a ton. Starvish. I mean, Janelson Lamette. I mean, Mackenzie Gore. I mean, you go through Mike Clevenger, of course. You just go through the rotation. You say, well, he's had arm problems. He's had arm problems. He's had back problems. He's had hip problems. He's had whatever problems. So it just is better for all of them. And you need all of them anyway. I think you have to do it unless for some reason it would weirdly mess up. Like it would make... You Darvish way worse. Or I, I don't, don't know how you Darvish every six days. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. No, I mean, seriously, the way that you Darvish is pitching right now, he <laughs> is he's not good enough for me to care about his feelings like that. I don't think you're out of bounds. By seriously. And I think it's good. I think at this stage of, of Darvish's career, like Peter alluded to, 
an extra day off a week is, is, is fine. You know, an extra, an extra day when you're going around the rotation is fine. You're trying to preserve this team through the, you know, the entire season. I'm cool with a six man rotation. I think that's advantageous to the Padres. Dude, Houston just turned to it. Houston's going to do it for the next couple of months because they want to get Christian Javier more starts. Like who would have thought them of all teams, you know, they shouldn't get Christian Javier more starts though. He's not that good. What? Jesus, that okay. should have been your hot take. No, yeah, next takeaway here, Peter. No, go. dude, he's not that good. He's a he's a he's a decent swing man. God, like his no. fastball is not that God, good. No, what, dude? Have you seen him pitch this year? Yes, I've good. seen him pitch. I he's like not that good. He is a he is a one three five ERA. He's not that good. I don't think he's that good. What is he not good at? I don't think his fastball is very good, and I think he's a two pitch guy with a not very good fastball. Opponents are hitting one thirty eight against his fastball with How a thirty three. 33% whiff rate. Last year, they hit 226 against it with a 26% whiff rate. What are we saying, Peter? I don't think he's that good. When I I test too, I, I just don't think he's that. I don't think, I, not that I don't think he's that good. I just don't think that he's a legit starter, I guess is my point. That I don't Let's think see. that he should go into the Houston rotation and be like a Luis Garcia Framber guy. I think right. he's much worse than that. All right, we'll, we'll find out over the next couple of months. We'll find we'll out. He's good in the playoffs right too. Now. Yeah. I'm excited to see him in the rotation, but yeah, that'll be a follow-up. I glad we have some more content for next episode. <laughs> God, and, and, and with that said, my another my takeaway is that right now the AL West is the best division in baseball. Right now it is. The Los Angeles Angels are for real. We kind of said, if not now, when? When they have everybody in their lineup. They're an incredible team. Noah Syndergaard has proved that he is back. The rotation looks good for Los Angeles. Overall, they look like a really good team so far. The Seattle Mariners are so for real. Their pitching is great. Logan Gilbert has taken that next step. We see Matt Brash. So the rotation is great for the Mariners. Their offense, I think they're one big bat away, but they put up 88 runs this year, plus 20 run differential. The Astros, we know will heat up, but they're still 10 and nine because they can't hit right now, but their pitching has been great, but they're going to heat up. The A's, I don't know what to say. We called it the lock of the year that the A's are going to go into the win total. I think they're going to hit some sort of slide, but are the A's just being the A's again? And then the Rangers, say what you want about the Rangers, but man, can they hit. Problem is they they can't can't pitch. pitch. But you look at every other division and there's the top, which looks great, but then there's just bottom dwellers or terrible teams, or there's three good teams in a division like the NL West, but then you have, you know, then you have the Arizona Diamondbacks. Are they, that's my thing right now. Maybe they're not the best division in baseball, but I do think right now they're right up there with all the best. Don't walk it back on us now, man. No, I'm not going to. I, th- I The NL West is, er, is very good. And that's the reason I was like, eh, but I really do think right now the AL West is, is right up and, there. With NL them. East or AL West? I think AL West. I think I'd take the AL West over the NL East too. So I think that that's for so second, eh, but what about the AL East? So is it the right. third best division? Might but the thing great. is with the Orioles are bad and the Red Sox haven't performed this year and the Rays are not the same the Rangers, Rays they've been. The Rangers are pretty freaking bad, but and the Athletics are pretty bad. So you got three good teams. And I look I at like the, the NL jo- West is still the I think the NL West is the king right now. <laughs> They're scary. They are scary, going, dude. The NL West. What you, what you got, Jack? Rocktober. Um, my last one, third base is the best position in baseball right now. It's the deepest position in baseball. Um, I linked with Colby Olson this morning and I said, can you, can we possibly do OPS by position just to like quantify this? Um, and he tweeted it out on just baseball stats and info, go follow it. JB stats and info, um, 2022 OPS by position with minimum 50 plate appearances for the individuals that factor in. Third base has a 742 OPS. That's the best position in baseball. First base has a 737. Outfield has a 706. Every other position is below 700. So third base has the best OPS among any position in baseball. Arenado, J-Ram, and Manny Machado, all of OPS is over 1,000. 10 third basemen have an OPS over 800. And Arm, you and I were talking about it um, earlier this morning when we were recording the call-up, like, Joey Wendell's been great. Key Brian yeah. Hayes has been great. Yeah. You've got all these guys that are showing up and contributing and have 800 plus OPSs. I think third base is the deepest and the best position in baseball right now. 
if you look at war as well, no one's close. Third base is accumulated coming into today, uh, a 14.8 war, F war. No other position is within like two ends of that. So they're, they're picking it too. All the guys that you named that are offensive forces, almost all of them can pick it too. I just every single one of those guys, J Ram, Machado, Wendell, and Brian Hayes. Those are five of like the best defenders on the planet. And they hit it's unbelievable. So third base is as amazing as it has ever been. I'm with you. I love that take. I agree. I was trying to think any, but it has to be third base. I mean, you go through every single team. It's like every team's third baseman is good. Right. Like we'll see what, Tatis does for the shortstop position, like how he elevates that because, you know, there's a ton of stars that play short, but oh yeah, third, it's like every team's got a great third baseman. Like you look at middle of the pack, a guy that hasn't played yet this year, Yoan Moncada might be the 15th best. Like we ranked him what eighth. I mean, it, when we come back at the end of the year, if, if Wendell and Hayes are really good, like we might be looking at Moncada as like 12 or 13, like middle third. And he can be a starting third too. baseman. And he could be a four war guy. That's the thing. So like this position is so deep and there are so many guys that are borderline top third at the position. I'm excited to see whether Christian Javier is good this year. He is good already. He's He's doing good. He's already good. My final Uh, Christian Javier. Is he going to be a good starter? I guess that's my thing. That's fair. That's fair. Will the stuff translate? Will the stuff translate as in the rotation? I think that's, that'll be fun to watch. I I said it too much. I was like, he's not good in my head thinking he just won't be a good starter. He's clearly because the slider's disgusting, you know, like, the, and that's how, that's why he'll always be good. As and you also said the fastball batting average 226 expected 274. So I'm just saying, and I test, it's really more, more well, the eye test. Like when I watch him, I'm just he like, where's high socks going to be a starter. He's got high socks on the mound. He is. That great. can't be the reasoning. We like him. Long so sleeves. When you no say eye left. test, do you have like, do you have like, delusions like do you see other things happening that aren't happening i gotta say my eye's been pretty good not only am i on a heater i'm pretty good with my you are on a heater. i look at christian javier i'm pretty good at my predictions i don't think that he's gonna be a good starter from what i see when i watch him pitch i see a fine fastball a really good slider and not other great secondaries i don't think he has exceptional command and i don't think he translate into the rotation very well and been experimenting with psychedelics. <laughs> Just Christian Javier's fastball is weird. There's four of them. Yeah, there's four of them. He's a, he's he's he multiplies. He's got a multiplying fastball. There we go. Uh, RM, you have one last one, right? Yeah, Alec Manoa is a top twenty starter in Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm all in on Alec Manoa. I was I've been. He's a guy that I've loved since he was a prospect. I've been peddling him as a prospect. It's, since 2020, uh, and he's still exceeded my expectations. I mean, I, I absolutely love everything I've seen from this dude. Talk about a guy who has just the perfect arsenal that works off of itself. Fastball, that's a rising fastball, a sinker that runs crazy to the arm side, and one of the most ridiculous horizontal sliders that you'll see. I mean, Manoa's the kind of guy that snaps a slider, and a guy swings and misses for strike three and gets hit. You know, it's like it's the injury to insult thing or whichever way you want to look at it. But he is disgusting. The command continues to get better. He's only walking hitters at about an 8% clip. The swing and miss stuff is off the charts. And look, he's he's a big body dude. He jumps at you off the mound and the results are there. But I think what's really impressed me is the command and the four seamer. I don't think people realize how good his four seamer is because it's not 98 but it's low to mid, more honestly in the 92 to 94 range with that riding action, that off of the slider, talk about tunneling. He's damn well unhittable. And he also mixes in a decent changeup. I think Manoa is, you know, you could debate Gosman versus him, but like, I think Manoa is an ace uh, moving forward. And I think he's legitimately going to solidify himself as that guy uh, the rest of the season. So second edition of Jack's advanced stats, um, the, combined weight of the battery in Toronto yesterday between Manoa and Alejandro Kirk was 530 pounds. That's so much mass between the two of them. And it worked. It's like CC throwing a Prince Prince Fielder. (laughs) That would be a great stat. Like next gen stats, heaviest battery mates before. I mean, (laughs) Manoa is 285. And we're making fun of him, but both those two players are good. I like Alejandro Kirk and Alec Manoa. I agree with you, Aram. 
top 20 is a little bit aggressive because I think we go through the pitchers and we're like, oh, is he better than Kevin Gosman? Is he better than Luis Castillo? But to your point, I think Alec Manoa, when it's all said and done at the end of 2021, he will have a top 20 season. And 2022. Yeah, and 2022. You said 2021. Um, Yeah, no, that'll be... I'll be curious about that pitcher war. I will look at think, pitcher war at the end of the year. And I think I think he's going to be close to the top 20. I think so. I think he is too. Cause he goes deeper in the games too. than than a lot of people would expect he's a horse. He's, he's a horse. So he's 285 pounds. And he's a beast. And, mm. All right. That's what we got. On the um, yeah. That's what we got for you. Anything else before we go? Get your just baseball cert in the episode link description. Get, give us a follow on Twitter at just BB media on TikTok, Instagram. Y'all know the drill. Check out Loop. That that link is in the episode description as well. Click that link to download the Loop app so they know that we sent you. Is there anything else? No. Have a great weekend. Chalkboard. Chalkboard. Get in the group chat. Talking baseball all day long. And I think with that, have a great weekend. And thank you, everybody. Peace.